Well, I'm glad to be here with you all, and I hope everyone is staying safe as well. Uh, if you could turn in your Bibles to Lamentations chapter number 3. Lamentations chapter number 3. And in Lamentations chapter number 3, it's verse 48 to 51. That's what I want to take a look at here. And we see a small theme coming up all of a sudden in what Jeremiah has to say. And from the book of Lamentations chapter number 3, verse 48, it says, Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission. Till the Lord look down and behold from heaven, mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Before we go any further, I want to open up in a word of prayer first. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you gave me this opportunity to uh, speak your word. And I pray, Father, that uh, this, this word would not go without touching its mark. And we know, Lord, that that is the promise as well, that your word will uh, never go without touching its mark. I pray, Father, that uh, whoever it is that this needs to be spoken to, that it, would, uh, that it would speak to them. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and speak your words through me, not my words, but yours. I pray, Father, that uh, everyone who is uh, on the other side of this broadcast, that uh, they would find this a blessing. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What you see is not always what you get. Now, I want to ask you a question. It's a, it might be a different type of question, but uh, do you like to cry? And I'm asking this honestly. Do you like to cry? And thing is, people cry for all sorts of reasons. Uh, some people, they find it that if they don't cry from a movie that's supposed to be sad, it wasn't a good sad movie. It's, it's kind of weird. When you get hurt internally or externally, people cry. Uh, some people cry for embarrassment or from shame. Uh, some people cry out of fear. Um, there are cries of joy as well. Some people cry when there's so much emotion filled in a certain situation, they would cry. Some cry when they see something beautiful or extraordinary. And some people cry when they see other people cry. And I actually find myself in that camp there. But a commentator spoke about the book of Lamentations to be a type of reminder. In fact, some Jews, uh, they would remember the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. And one of the things they would do is fast, and then they would read the book of Lamentation. They would read the whole book of Lamentation to remind themselves. The book of Lamentations is a complementary book to the book of Jeremiah. And in fact, what's happening is we're seeing the internal battle that's happening in Jeremiah's mind and what was happening in his heart. It speaks of what he was feeling. The feeling that he was going through is grief. Jeremiah was feeling grief. Grief is 
that state of sadness, that sadness that is filled with pain and anguish, it's distress, it's sorrow, it's usually what is accompanied in a funeral service by the ones they've lost. The, the people that, uh, that attend funeral services, when they see the person that they've lost, they tend to have grief. And the prophet, when he was seeing the state of Jerusalem, he was going through grief. As he was seeing the Babylonians come through Jerusalem and slaughtering all the Jews in Judah. And in fact, in Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 11, here's what, he, what uh, Jeremiah says. Mine eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured upon the earth. Imagine that. For the destruction of the daughter of my people. Because the children and the suckling swoon in the streets of the city. Right now, this nation in this context that we were reading here in chapter 3, this nation that God had brought out of Egypt, this nation that was supposed to be a light to the rest of the world, it was being destroyed. And you can imagine the voices that were going through Jeremiah's head, right? What will the other nations think of Israel? What will the other nations think of Judah? Did God fail us? Did God stop being faithful to Israel? And he, in fact, he even answers that question. In verse 23, he even says, Great is thy faithfulness. And today we know that Israel is in its homeland because of God's faithfulness. Now, Israel or Judah, they lost their land in this story, though. And it wasn't God's fault. In fact, we even know it was Israel's fault. In Deuteronomy 28, God tells Moses to tell the Israelites that there were curses if they did not follow what God was saying. And along with that, Israel, after they heard what Moses had to tell them from God, Israel said, yeah, whatever God says, we will do. But we know as we read through our Bible, time and time and time and time again, Israel kept failing God. Now, whenever they did what God said, God kept his promise and he blessed. But many times over, God even withheld some of the things that he said he would do if they were to disobey him. But now, what we hear, here we have in Lamentations, it's, this is the word of God. It was coming through Jeremiah, but we still know that these were the words of God. These were emotions that even God was feeling. Not just Jeremiah, but God as well. God was feeling grief. And there are three things, or at least two, that I want to speak of first. About the nature of grief. The nature of grief. And as we read through that small passage that I read there from 48 to 51, we see something about grief. The first thing we see is grief over sin. If this was a movie, this would be the dramatic part where everything is starting to slow down because Jeremiah is now seeing every part of the scene, every part of Jerusalem. He's looking at it, trying to look for hope somewhere. He's looking through the streets of Jerusalem. He can look at the temple. You can see it on fire. And perhaps 
worst of all, was that the enemy was thinking that they had won. The enemy, Babylon, perhaps they were thinking that Marduk, their god, was superior to Jehovah God. In this situation, this situation wasn't helping Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 1, he speaks of it, of what he was feeling at the time. 9 verse 1, it says, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. This was how Jeremiah was feeling. You see, in the ancient times, especially during war, one of the things that showed that they were right with God was victory during war. And when you see blessings, usually it sort of meant that you, uh, you were right with your God. And we see that pattern come up a few times, even throughout the Old Testament. You see the pattern come up when you see the story of Gideon, or at that time, at that moment, he was called Jerubal. The reason being, he brought down the altar of Baal in the book of Judges. Gideon was told to go down, go down to where his father had this altar for Baal, and he brought it down. But the people of, the, of where he was at, they started revolting, and they said, they, he destroyed the uh, altar of Baal. We ought to go and kill him. Well, Gideon's dad, Joash, came up and said, well, hang on, if Baal needed defending... Baal would have done it himself. Then you see it again when Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Baal was unable to consume the sacrifice. But then Jehovah God was more than capable of consuming the sacrifice. And then again, we see it come up when we see that story of David when he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant and then eventually the Ark of the Covenant almost falls off and then one of the men tries to save it. He dies and, well, you, you have it taken. You, sorry, I'm talking about a different story. Uh, but one of the times there is the Ark of the Covenant and it's taken into, into the temple with Dagon. And eventually what happens is the statue of Dagon ends up bowing down or falling before the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant being the representation of God. Well, eventually, they, the Philistines come and they try to bring back up uh, Dagon. And then finally, they, the next day, you see Dagon falling down again. And this time, his hands and his head cut off which is interesting because you can see there that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father. See, no matter how hard the Philistines tried to make their God stand up before Almighty God, this, their false gods, their idols, kept coming back down. See, the thing is, in this context, Jeremiah perhaps was thinking that maybe the enemies think they won. And the enemies were thinking that they were victorious. And perhaps you can even think 
that God was grieving at this point. He wasn't grieving because of what Jeremiah was seeing, though. God was grieving for the sin. Jeremiah was only seeing the product of what sin brought. Sin brings forth destruction. Even from the beginning, you have it in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so then death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Despite the countless warnings that God gave Israel, no matter what, the Israelites didn't seem to get it. No matter how hard God tried to warn them, it seems like the Israelites didn't care about it. They just wanted to continue in their sin. Now, I want to take a pause for a moment here and want to say that don't just think that this is something that the Israelites only were capable of. In fact, I believe that some Christians even today are capable of this, thinking that, oh, I'm not as bad as the other guy. Especially somebody who would have that type of attitude would probably end up sinning. You see, some people think that God is just some kind of lucky charm. That if you have it, it's great. And he's, uh, he's great for when tests in life come up. But uh, other than that, you know, just go about your own business type thing. Israelites continued to sin before God. They weren't paying attention to God. They ignored God in everything they did. And the more and more they did, the less and less godly they became. And the more worldly they became. Israel could have learned the lesson. Many times over, they were sinned, they, they sinned, but then they were chastised, but then they still didn't get it that God hates their sin. You see, this lesson shows that sin cannot be played with. In spite of all the allurement, all of the excitement that sin might bring for a moment, it carries a heavy weight. Sorrow, grief, pain, misery, destruction always ends up following sin. And I think Pastor even brought this up. You see, if you think about it, the solution that God came up with to get rid of sin was that he himself had to die for it. That's how much of a heavy weight sin brings with it. Honestly, as Christians, who are we fooling? When we play with sin, who are we fooling? It's not God. You can see the result of sin even in people today, especially a Christian who's grown up and perhaps they've made mistakes. Younger Christians, I implore you to even try and ask an older Christian who have messed up how much sin can destroy. If you're not chastised today for your sin, you will be chastised probably tomorrow or soon. Chastisement is coming. There is no such thing as a secret sin because every single sin will be brought up to the surface eventually. Think of Adam when he tried to 
hide his sin when he tried to run away from God. Think of Achan when he sinned and he knew he did, so he hid what he had sinned, sinned with. Israel had to pay for that sin. Think of David. His first sin was actually laziness. He, he knew that he had to go to battle, but he said, perhaps, maybe, maybe later. I'll, I'll do it some other time. And well, in 2 Samuel 11, you know the story ends up happening. Laziness leads to the adultery, and then from the adultery to the deceit, he gets Uriah drunken, and then he finally murders him. The child that came from Bathsheba ends up dying because of David's sin. So Christian, before you ever think of sinning, think about the gravity of what you're about to do. Think about the gravity. Think about the consequences that are about to take place if you were to do that little thing that you think is okay. Jeremiah wasn't grieving for what he saw because of the result of sin. And the countless amounts of warning that God had given, perhaps this is why he started to grieve. This is why perhaps you can see that God was also grieving. Another thing we see about sin, or another thing we see about grief is there was grief over loss. And specifically, the loss of opportunities. There are different thoughts on whether what it means this this uh, little expression here at the end of 51, uh, at the end of verse 51, it says, all the daughters of my city. There's different commentators that have said different things about it. And it, some people say, some of these commentators are saying, it could be the villages or the little cities that were dependent on Jerusalem. The satellite cities, you know, the ones that were kind of the peers of Jerusalem. See, Jerusalem was to be that city that was placed in the crossroads of ancient civilization. If you've looked at a map, and I kind of talked about this in, during, uh, during our Wednesdays when we talked about Bible geography, but you have those three continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe. And notice how Israel is placed almost in the center of all three of those almost like a geographical land bridge. Why would God place it there? I think we have the answer here in 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. In verse 57 to verse 61, what you have is uh, the prayer of dedication from Solomon. Well, in verse 50, uh, 57, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 57, it says, The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And let these my words wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night that he maintained the cause of his servant and the cause of his people, Israel, at all times, as the matter shall require. And here it is, verse 60, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. 
In verse 61, let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. It was to be with their heart. It was a heart issue in the first place. Because everyone was watching. All these nations around Israel were watching. They were watching, what is Israel going to do next? Even today, what is Israel going to do next? The whole world is watching. You see, God put Israel there to represent his blessings, to represent his presence on earth by keeping God's laws and commandments. That's what it says at the end. Christian, you as well are told to keep commandments. Now, before somebody says, oh, well, we're not under law, we're under grace. Just so you know, there are still commandments during this dispensation, during this time of grace. Here's just a few of them. Mark 16, 15, we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we are to be thankful in all things. It is God's will. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, we are to abstain from fornication. Mark 3.35 and John 16.13, we are to, to be doing God's will continually, not our own. See, how are we doing there? How are you doing there? These are different departments. Have you noticed that it doesn't say, oh, you ought to be nice to your neighbors so that they see Christ in you. Yeah, you should be nice, but you should also go and witness to them. Have you noticed that it doesn't say whether people like you? It says that God should be satisfied with you when you present yourself. Perhaps you act thankful around people, but then when you're off in your little corner... You're complaining and murmuring over the little circumstances that you find yourself in and these little issues that pop up. Maybe you're even doing things on your own strength and not even the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the Holy Spirit has been speaking through you throughout sermons throughout your life, but then you never heeded to them. You never decided to act on what the Holy Spirit was saying. You're given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity every single day to serve God with the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't waste it. Because you will see that when you're brought to heaven, perhaps one of the greatest shame is when you see other Christians being able to present something at the feet of Christ, but then you have nothing. Nothing to present, nothing to leave at the feet of Christ because you only bothered to do what you wanted as a Christian. This final point is also the conclusion. Grief will pass. Grief will also come to pass. The thing about God is that God is also a loving God and he is a loving God of second, third, fourth, and maybe even fifth chances. No, not maybe. It is. He gives many chances. How do we know this? 
because we know that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all, of all unrighteousness. Just before the parable of the unforgiving servant, Peter asks Christ, how many times should we uh, forgive our brother? And Christ answers to him, until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Christ would never command such a thing if he himself was not willing to do it. You may have made a bunch of mistakes throughout your life, and you may have even messed them up. You may have played with small sins that you think are small sins. You may have played with big sins. And you keep them a secret. Well, why don't you go and confess them to God? We, along with Jeremiah, can see it together. In verse 18, all the way to verse 23. Verse 18, it says, And the Lord said unto... Excuse me. (laughs) I'm not in Lamentation. Lamentation, chapter 3. In verse 18, it says, And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them, uh, hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You ever think about that? What is made new every morning? His mercies are made new every morning. You ever notice that every time you wake up, you're given the same amount of time? And if you're a Christian, if you were to pass away today, that means you not only have the time that he's given you on that day to serve him, but you also have eternity to serve him now. Nevertheless, when you start your day, God gives you the same amount of time to do something for him, to serve him with your life, to give of yourself. If you think about it, every morning you have the knowledge that you had the day before. You may have made mistakes the day before, but you have the knowledge to do better the day that he's given you. Every morning you have a new day to serve him. And the thing is, we have it even better than Jeremiah. See, in Romans 5, this is the last last verses that I'm going to have you turn to. Romans 5 and verse number 3 to verse 5 here. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We have the Holy Ghost given unto us. Every morning, we can do so much better than even the Old Testament Christians could have done, the Old Testament Jews could have done. Perhaps you're grieving right now over loss. Perhaps there's more loss than just opportunity in your life, and you are in grief. But grief shall pass. 
But you need to make that decision, especially after God has given you mercies every morning. You need to make that decision to do better, to do more for him. Maybe you've made mistakes in your life. God will forgive those. But I challenge you first, especially if you have not really been right with God and you've been playing with a sin. And now perhaps you've been shown that God is grieving over that sin. It's time to confess it, but also to be thankful that you were able to be grieving. Grief is a signal to you also that you need to come back to the throne of grace. I know I started this message with a little bit of a downer about crying, but grief exists for a reason. And Jeremiah understood it to show that God still has compassion and God still wants you to come back to him, to get right with him. God is faithful and he desires for us to have that relationship with him every single day. And it is required of us as Christians also. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you gave me this message. And I pray, Father, that, that you would get a hold of the right heart, the heart that perhaps isn't right with you. And Lord, grief is something that as, as, even as Christians that sometimes we struggle with and sometimes Satan tries to use grief to just bring us lower and lower. But I pray, Father, that we would use grief as a signal for us to just get with you again, to come to the throne of grace and to have fellowship with you and to love you more. We pray, Father, that as Christians, we would become more and more dependent on you and less and less of ourselves. We pray, Father, that for anyone at the other end of this broadcast, that, uh, that you would use them, Lord, and that, uh, that it would have spoken to one of them. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would be glorified, that you would be honored with everything that is said and done. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we go into our offering time, I want to ask to uh, any of you out there, especially in these few days, I know with the COVID-19 and everything, finances may not look so good. But we try to challenge you, and we want to try and encourage you also to just keep giving. It is an act of faith, after all. And you'll see that God will bless it back. God is no man's debtor. So just before the offering, perhaps you'll, you'll need to pull out the tab. You can open up even the donate page. It's right underneath the video if you're on our, on our church website. But if you're on Facebook, we, we challenge you to go onto the church website and to give. God bless you as you give.